0: podcast. My name is Chris Morgan. Recently, I was put on hiatus from my day job, so rather than do the chores that I should be doing around the house, I thought I would try to record a podcast. It's going to have a little bit of my writing, maybe a little bit of my music, some television show reviews, maybe even an interview. Not sure yet, but let's find out. starting something. You got to be starting something. Hello again. So this opening section is part of the podcast that I kind of envision as informal or freewheeling, a chance for me to speak about the state of the world and things that may be a preoccupation. But for this first episode, I'm going to use the time to talk about uh, the person behind the mic. That's me. And uh, just introduce myself to you. Like I said before, my name is Chris Morgan, and I am a resident of London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, That's where I'm situated. As far as a being in the world, I am a father of two lovely children. I have done a number of different kinds of work over the years uh, in order to sustain myself uh, and to kind of keep body and soul together. But I've always considered myself to be an artist, and by that I just mean that I try to live my life in accordance with uh, beliefs that are creatively affirming. So I'll just leave that there. As far as Morganics, this podcast goes, uh, I just am a big fan of radio and podcasts in general, Uh, very fascinated with the theater of the mind, mind, mind. And uh, so I thought I would take a swing at making one of my own. Uh, Morganics is a name that actually came out of a conversation that I had with my brother a few years ago. We were talking about the prospect of a future business and he proposed the name Morganics as the name for a group of organic farms Now, uh, I think it's a great name, and it's one that I kind of filed away when he said it. It's actually, I believe, the name of an organic food producer in New Zealand or Australia. This podcast is not affiliated with that organization, except in an affection for punny monikers. So just wanted to get that out of the way. As far as what is going to happen on this podcast, I have a few ideas. Nothing is really set in stone. I thought about possibly uh, presenting some editorials. Uh, Later on, I'm going to present an essay, actually, uh, but writing poetry, that sort of thing. I thought about doing uh, TV, movie, book reviews, that sort of thing. Uh, Even what I would describe as like a franchise check-in. So for me, there's five big franchises that I try to kind of keep apprised of. Uh, Those are Star Wars, Star Trek, the MCU, that's Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, the DC uh, Universe, and then also Lord of the Rings. Anybody who has known me at any point in my life knows that I enjoy all of those particular fantasies. And so hopefully I'll get into um, it a bit about how they have evolved over the years. They've become quite complex. And so uh, I think it will be useful to try and untangle some of it. And then uh, beyond that, I am uh, very interested in the subject of astrology. I've been studying it since I was a teenager. I actually got a degree in it, It's which is only slightly less useful than a degree in e- uh, economics. Uh, but I may uh, do some astrological profiles or talk a bit about things called world transits, uh, which is something that affects uh, everybody if you are a person who follows astrology like I do. Uh, And then last but not least, I was thinking that perhaps uh, a song or some piece of music might be nice for the first little while anyways, since I'm a songwriter. It'll be my music, but I am going to put out a call uh, for musicians in the community uh, to send in their music, and maybe I'll be able to give it a spin. Uh, So Uh, That's kind of a very general picture of what I have in mind for the podcast. For the uh, next section, you can hear me turning my paper here. Uh, The next section uh, of the podcast is actually uh, more formal. It's a reading of an essay that I did a number of years ago on the uh, subject of time. Uh, For some of you, this will probably be about as interesting as listening to a university dissertation. I'm hoping that it sounds a little better than that, but uh, I understand if there's a lack of interest, at least from some people. Uh, I find the idea of time itself and the concepts we have about it to be very fascinating, Um, and I wanted to explore the evolution of those ideas uh, in an essay format. More than that, though, I'm really compelled about the role of public philosophy, which is not really based on the um, academic version of philosophy that many people think about uh, with a lot of jargon. I'm more interested in a philosophy of the vernacular, of the everyday, a philosophy that restores wonder to the universe. I do believe that most of the problems we face as a society collectively are philosophical problems, and that if we have a philosophy that's sound, political power can be applied justly. That's why I think uh, it's important. In a way, it's really an intensely subversive act, that being public philosophy, since we do live in a time when deep thinking and reflection on a subject is often Uh, diminished by the next social networking update or uh, pop culture flotsam. So really that's it. Uh, This is my essay on time and if you've stuck around long enough, I hope you enjoy it. Genealogy of a Concept It surrounds us, yet we only observe its effects. It shapes every aspect of our lives, but we don't interact with it directly. We make it, measure it, save it, waste it, compress it, bend it, extend it. We can't even hold it in our hands. And when we're asked to define it, every description seems ephemeral and contingent, as if it's beyond words to explain it is time what is it how to explicate time by a moment which whether experienced subjectively or intersubjectively seems to flow like a river from the past to the future perhaps time can be quantified by the metrics of cause and effect and the laws of thermodynamics will we know time by its absence when we contemplate eternity can we even pause it with intellectual honesty What time is, when we're always inside of it, three-dimensional beings embedded in the fourth dimension? To unpack these questions, it's useful to think about time's conceptual evolution like a genealogy, one that's been mapped onto Western scientific and cultural paradigms of the past two and a half millennia. There exists a limited interval in which to complete this genealogy, so some aspects of temporality Used here as a variant of the word time, its practical relevance in relation to duration, measurement, and technological invention, for example, will remain unaddressed so metaphysical issues can be investigated. Here, as in all things, time is against us. Or is it? As we survey perspectives on temporality, a case can be made that there is an inherited prejudice in relation to time, or, to be precise, an inherited prejudice in relation to certain ideas about time. This shouldn't come as a surprise, since, next to knowledge of death, temporal awareness is the most persistent reminder that humanity, for all its civilized progress, will never be fully emancipated from nature's dominion. From an evolutionary perspective, modern humans aren't far from the savannas of Africa where our prehistoric ancestors are thought to have wandered for many centuries, unprotected from nature in the form of sickness and disease, changing weather conditions, and violent or accidental death. When our ancestors began living in cities and developing written alphabets, ambivalence towards problematic aspects of nature, including time, found its way into language, which informed the way temporality was thought about and discussed. Like civilizations before and after them, the Greeks mythologized their relationship with nature, the psyche, and society using a pantheon of gods. Multiple deities became associated with various concepts of time, but one of the most revered was the titan Kronos. He was also the most feared, having been believed to have eaten his own newborn children to prevent them from taking his place as king of the world. By the earliest decades of the common era, ambivalence towards time had been sublimated into numerous philosophical and religious systems. Plato's theory of forms and the Christian belief in an afterlife were just two of the Western ontologies that established transcendent orders which biased the absolute, the eternal, and the everlasting over the transitory, the temporary, and the temporal. Mathematics and geometry too, with the stress on fixed shapes and formulas, represented a transcendent reality untainted by the vagaries of time. An example of the ongoing ambivalence towards all things temporal can be found in the beliefs of the ancient Gnostics. This early Christian cult taught the initial descent from the divine state, the primeval fall, didn't take place in the Garden of Eden or even when Lucifer was cast from heaven. The first fall occurred when the universe was created, when time itself began. For a Gnostic initiate, Matter, the material world, and all that proceeded from it, including time, was corrupt. Their goal was a return to a region of light called the Pleroma. Elements of this doctrine have been articulated in our era, reformulated by physicist David Baum, who once enigmatically suggested that all matter is light, frozen in time. Of course, to a Gnostic living two millennia ago, the inverse to that viewpoint seems the truer statement, that without time, everything is light. It's here, reasoning by negation, via negativa, that we intimate what remains in the absence of time, an opportunity to recognize, like Michelangelo, seeing a statue in a block of marble, what pieces of stone must be removed to reveal the figure within. Maybe St. Augustine of Hippo used his own sort of negation when he famously uttered, What then is time? If no one asks me, I know. If I want to explain it to a questioner, I do not know. Had he been more forthcoming on the subject, Augustine might have said something like, It is the eternal in us that allows us to perceive time, the eternal part referring to the human soul. Like time, The concept of soul is larger than a single religion or philosophy. In the 21st century, scientists call soul consciousness and seek to know its laws. Most of humanity believes soul to be their birthright. This eternal essence of a person thought to consist of subtle numinous energy is a wide soaring arc in the metaphysical lattices of countless worldviews, both ancient and modern. Soul was a powerful idea to humanity's prehistoric ancestors, offering existential certainty alongside a communally acknowledged mortality. The idea serves the same function today, even though the focus of the drama is now the soul's redemption from suffering, death, and the ravages of time by adherence to religious tenets, or, more recently, faith and immortality technologies. The 17th century European Enlightenment traded the transcendent religious abstractions of time and eternity for the transcendent mathematical abstractions of science and the cosmic clock. The cosmic clock was invisible and operated perfectly in perpetuity. Time became an axis on a graph, one of the innovations that allowed the physics of the emerging scientific paradigm to operate with unprecedented predictive power over the natural world. This predictive power led incrementally to the Industrial Revolution and ultimately made Western modernity possible. But the idea that time could be measured the same way no matter where a person was in the universe only lasted until 1905 when Albert Einstein married the spatial and the temporal in his special theory of relativity and exploded the cosmic clock forever. After that, it was impractical to think of time in the same absolute terms as people in previous eras had. Temporality in applied and conceptual considerations had become an area of interest for many fields of inquiry. Questions about time and its relation to memory, sentience, and aging, to society, technology, and the physics of gravity continued to shape our lives in the 21st century. Yet even in our high-tech civilization, the temporal prejudice persists, not least in the fact that there never seems to be enough time. Is there a way to mitigate this bias so that a renewed appreciation of time may be effected? Human perception was shaped by pressures of natural selection, and senses that ensured better opportunities for reproduction were favored by evolution. We might conjecture this included spatial and temporal awareness, which can be thought to have developed alongside one another. The parallel yet differing progression of these two streams of awareness are envisioned by H.G. Wells in the time machine. There are really four dimensions, three which we call three planes of space, and a fourth, time. There is, however, a tendency to draw an unreal distinction between the former three dimensions and the latter because it happens our consciousness moves intermittently in one direction along the latter from the beginning to the end of our lives. Infants learn to navigate the spatial dimension from the moment of birth. For each of us, it is perhaps as close to innate knowledge as we might truly be able to claim, the inner pedagogy that taught our kind to walk upright with heads raised. Perhaps temporal awareness is another sort of innate knowledge, one that develops similarly to the spatial, but more gradually, over a lifetime, so that elders appreciate the folds and creases of temporality in a way that isn't experientially accessible to the young. That Much like infants learning to walk, we embark on a sort of fourth-dimensional ambulation throughout our lives, and it's only in maturity that an advanced understanding of time becomes possible. Might we call this sort of temporal sense wisdom if it didn't undo the nuance of the description just provided? With this wisdom comes deeper knowledge of time as a generative force of nature, a force that makes manifest all possibilities, creatio extempore, tempor ex creatio, the creative essence from which the world emerges. This is the antidote to the prejudice observed in the temporal genealogy, the insistence that time devours all. To this valuation is put the notion of a prolific temporality and the wisdom to know that when the universe speaks to us, it speaks in time. Time, eh? What a trip. But that gives you an idea of the kind of uh, writing or essays that you can expect here on Morganics. I am going to indulge my proclivity for public philosophy just because I do think it's a worthwhile endeavor and I like to share the things that I think about if nothing else that's what this podcast is about. So we're coming around to the last section and uh, the last section of the podcast is one that I had reserved for a piece of music and today the piece of music is going to be a song that I wrote uh, 25 years ago. It's one of my favorites. It's a song that uh, arrived In a way that you sometimes hear songwriters describe where uh, they get the entire piece of music in like 10 or 15 minutes and then they're able to record it and it's this uh, really special uh, happening they haven't had to labor over it or anything well this song was kind of like that at least as far as the basic uh, shape of it Um, the lyric and the music arrived very quickly Um, The song is called Stride. It is uh, about uh, friendship. It's about what uh, Greeks called agape love. It's the love that you have for uh, a friend or for a brother or sister. Um, It's a love of humankind, really. And uh, so the song and the lyric itself, while it's kind of, I guess, written in a very... um, childlike way, uh, it gets at, I believe, some of the core ideas uh, that are in a close friendship and um, the meaning of that sort of relationship. So um, I guess last but not least, I'm just going to say that in the spirit of this piece of music uh, is the same spirit that I've Created this podcast. Morganics is about trying to reach out and to make a connection uh, with the world. This is a difficult time for everybody. And I think that the thing that most of us need more than anything else is to have the affirmation that the things we're going through are shared by others and that we can still. converse and laugh and uh, have a good time together even though the situation does appear dire. Uh, So that being the case, uh, I wanted to just sign off on that note and uh, I'm going to play the song now And I'll be back in a little while. I don't know when, to be totally honest with you. Uh, This has been really fun, though. And I thank you if you've listened to the whole thing. Um, You're great. Uh, The kind of listener that I'm really hoping for if I keep going on these. So without further ado, this is Stride. Do take care of yourselves and each other. And like the Vulcans say, live long and prosper. If I could divine the thoughts in your mind, maybe we could take it on together. A pause for the loss, if swords have to cross, just take it in stride, I'm on your side. Just take it in stride it's one hell of a ride and start a together a pause for the law produced at Furious Style Studios in January 2021. Got a question, a comment, a complaint, or a concern? Send it through to MorganicsPodcast at gmail.com. That's MorganicsPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for your correspondence.